This talk was recorded by Canvas Outreach Minneapolis, the College Ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as a part of the 2021 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Canvas Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. Um, so as we get into the topic of sanctification, I want to just share a few quick verses. There's a bunch of verses in the Bible that deal with this topic of sanctification. This is kind of by way of introduction, and what I, what I want to do is I show you these verses. We're not going to like camp out on anyone to start, but I just want you to see the complexity of this topic. Um, it was, <laughs> I think it was Friday, I'm like in a Desiring God video, and I'm like, oh my goodness, there's like so many layers to this thing, like, this is complicated, and I want you guys to see that real quick. Ready, go. All right, 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. So here, we get this idea of the will of God. That's another big topic, right? Your sanctification, pretty clearly, doesn't help us exactly define it. Next one. So this is Romans 6.22. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification, and its end, eternal life. Okay, even just here, I'm just going to point out a couple things. We're going to keep going. Um, you've been set free from sin, so you're now slaves to God, and it leads you to sanctification, and its end is eternal life. Like, that's a lot there, right? Slaves to God? What does that even mean? That doesn't sound like a good thing. Um, and the end, eternal life, that sounds good. We've been set free from sin. Okay, next one. This is John 3.36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So here we get this idea of belief in obedience, right? Whoever believes has life. Whoever does not obey does not have life. So we're getting obedience, belief, life, death. Next one. This is, uh, I think this is actually 1 John 3.23. But, uh, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Oh yeah, the one made it up here. Sorry. It's there. Um, if you look at this verse, this is mind-boggling, but commandment is singular. And this is his commandment. But then he tells us to believe and love one another. So which is it? Do we believe or do we love? It's a single commandment, but there's two commands. Okay, keep going. It's mind-boggling, I'm telling you. All right, James 2.26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So again, this idea of faith and works kind of going together. Interesting concept. Um, and then we see, we've already seen in Philippians, and we're actually going to camp out there at the end, but Philippians 1.6 says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So there's a beginning and a completing that's part of this process. Again, what does that even mean? So with that said, with the complicated nature of the topic, I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive in. God, this is truly um, an amazing thing to think about. The way you work in us and we work and how those things come together and result in us knowing you more and moving towards holiness.
So God, I pray that you'd help us as we dive into this topic. Would you help us as we understand the unique ways in which this all comes together? Um, And would it be worshipful as we think about the Christian life moving forward in sanctification? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's just start by defining it, right? Like what is sanctification? If we're honest, like there's a lot of these big I-O-N words that are thrown around in Christian circles. And maybe you're a Bethel Northwestern student and you kind of like, I know what those words mean. But when someone asks you, you're like, I don't know what those words mean. (laughs) If I'm really honest, I don't know what those words mean. Justification, sanctification, glorification, redemptification. I just made that one up. (laughs) That's what you can do when you're talking from the front. But um, what in the world does this word even mean? Um, So to sanctify means to set apart. Okay? So to sanctify means to set apart. Sanctification is the process of becoming set apart. Or another way the Bible talks about being set apart is holy. So the process of becoming holy. Or to put it more simply, the process of becoming more like Jesus. The process of becoming more like Jesus. That's the easiest way to think about sanctification. The process of becoming more like Jesus. Um, Jeff Vanderstelt has this quote. Wait, maybe go back for a second. I saw people still writing. I'm going to give you guys a second. The process of becoming more like Jesus. So that's what we're going to try to understand. What does this process look like and how does it work? So those are kind of the two main points. We're going to look at what is sanctification and then how does this sanctification thing happen? Um, So those are kind of the two main points. That's where we're going. Um, You can go to the next quote. Jeff Vanderstelt wrote a book, well, two books, Um, This one is from Gospel Fluency. He also wrote a book called Saturate. Highly recommend both. But he says this about sanctification, and I thought it was pretty helpful. He says, Sanctification is just a big word for becoming more and more like Jesus through faith in Jesus. You become like what you believe in. So becoming like Jesus requires believing in him more and more every part of your life. Sanctification is moving away from unbelief in Jesus to belief in him in the everyday stuff of life. I just like, he like simplifies things in helpful ways and doesn't over-spiritualize stuff, um, which I really like. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about today when we think about sanctification. You don't need to write down the whole quote, but um, that's what we're going to talk about. And just the start of what sancti- sanctification is, we're actually going to spend six quick points of saying what it's not. Sometimes when you're describing something complex, it's actually easier to start with what it's not to help you understand what it actually is. Does that make sense? Okay, so we're going to start with what it's not. Number one, sanctification is not our justification. Okay, and I know I'm throwing the I-O-N words at you. Um, but justice, justification is where an event where God declares us righteous. This is a one-time thing that happens when we're saved. So, that's our justification. So, sanctification is not the same as our justification. Justification is the thing that happens when we're saved. And basically, from the point that we're saved to the point that Jesus returns or we die, is called our sanctification. That's like the in-between when we're saved and when we go to be with Jesus. That's what that process is. The life of a Christian is lived out in sanctification. Do I have that chart? Just to explain it, I didn't make this and I don't love this, but you're going to get the idea. Okay, Um, this is the point of conversion down here. This is when you first trust in Christ. That's called your justification, okay? 
And then the process, this weird jaggedy line towards glorification is sanctification, okay? That's as you grow as a believer, it's called sanctification. And it's not a straight line because that's what life is, right? Like there are ups and downs in the Christian life. At points it feels like one step forward and two steps back. That's kind of what that jaggedy line is supposed to represent. But if you were to look over time, you're moving towards Christ, ultimately in glorification. Um, So if that's helpful, great. If it's not, we're going to keep going. You'll get it. Um, So you're, uh, sorry, go back to the first one. Sanctification is not our justification. So sanctification is actually the process of you becoming who God's declared you to be. Do you see the difference? So if our justification is an event where God declares us righteous, sanctification is the process of us becoming who God declared us to be. So we're becoming more in his image. Um, So justification does not happen by our sanctification. So that's another distinction. So there are other religions that would say your your sanctification is actually the thing that saves you. Basically, your works, the things you do, are actually the things that save you, the things that justify you. Um, So in the same way, sanctification is not our justification. Our sanctification doesn't justify us. Does that make sense? I know I'm going back and forth confusing you. All right. It's going to get clear. I would say this, though, on this point. Justification is the fuel for our sanctification. Justification is the fuel for our sanctification. That's going to make sense, I promise, in a minute. If your head's spinning, stay with me. I promise it's going to get clear. All right, number two. Sanctification is not just knowledge or theology. Sanctification is not just knowledge or theology. I know for a good chunk of you in this room, you go to a Christian university, um, and you can just think that if I understand these big words and know how to enter in these theological conversations, that's what it means to be a Christian, is this intellectual pursuit of who God is. And also, this isn't just, by the way, the Christian schools, in reform circles, this is what can easily be believed, that what it means to be mature in Christ is you have a high knowledge for the Bible, for intellect, and who God is, and you can just throw around all these big words that no one really knows what you're talking about. Um, And that's just not true. That's not what sanctification is. Um, I like what Francis Chan says here. Um, I think this is from Crazy Love. Um, He says this about Christians. They're fed more and more knowledge every week. They attend church services, join small group Bible studies, read Christian books, listen to podcasts, and they are convinced they still need more knowledge. So, in the context of this quote, he's just basically saying, like, so much of our pursuit of Christianity is in this knowledge, but we actually miss a big piece, which we're going to talk about with our sanctification. Um, So, sanctification is not just knowledge and theology. Number three, sanctification is not primarily looking backwards. Sanctification is not primarily looking backwards. And you're like, what does that even mean? Um, So I got a clip for you guys. And Eden would be very happy because I'm showing a Lion King clip. So I don't think it needs a ton of introduction. It makes a ton of sense. Roll the clip. All right. So so in this clip, Simba and Rafiki are having this interaction. And um, 
all of us have a pass, and he swings and hits him, and he said, that hurts. And he's like, the pass hurts, right? And if we're honest, in, in the movie, right, he, Simba is plagued by what happens to his father, and he blames himself for that. Um, and again, it's a Disney movie, good redemption story then, all that. Um, but I, I do like this clip, um, and I think it's overly simplistic in some ways, but it is important for you to realize your past does not define you. Now, in saying that, I would also say, I know that there's deep, deep hurt in this room, and that some of you maybe have things you need to work through from your past, and that's okay. Um, but your past is not what defines you. Actually, the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and there are some of you in this room that I know are just carrying shame and guilt in unnecessary ways from your past. Um, and again, I know that some of you maybe don't even know you're carrying it. Some of you might, a circumstance might come up that draws that out, and that's okay. But some of you are plagued with that. Um, and that's not primarily what sanctification is, is looking backwards. Um, and actually, when the Bible says there's no condemnation, again, that's our justification. That's our starting point, that he loves us based on anything that's happened in our past. It doesn't change that. And we can move forward from that. And, and again, we're going to talk about this more, so if you're confused by that, Number four, sanctification is not primarily looking forwards. So when I say looking forward, what I mean is some of you in this room want your present circumstance to change. Some of you in this room are saying, if only I had a new fill-in-the-blank, a new major, a new roommate, a new relationship. If only I had this, that would do it. Like, if my circumstance would only change moving forward, then I would be happy. Like, this would change my whole experience as I think about my Christian life moving forward. Um, you kind of think about it like a desert. I think of a picture. Um, but you see this mirage out in the distance. It looks like water. It's going to be great. You get there, and it's not what you'd expect, right? Um, but if we're honest, some of us are holding out for that next thing, for what's out in front of us. And that's not primarily what sanctification is, looking forward. Number five, sanctification is not primarily looking side to side. What I mean by this is it's really easy in Christian circles and in general to find yourself comparing yourself to someone else. So when you think about your sanctification, you're quick to look around and you're like, oh, there's Zach. He knows more scripture than me. Oh, there's Dayton. He knows something more than me. There's Mike. And you can, just, you can be quick to like look side to side and think that defines what your sanctification is. They've been a Christian for this amount of years and read through the Bible this amount of times and they have this book of the Bible memorized and I don't even know all the books of the Bible or whatever it is. Um, but you can tend to think that your sanctification is defined by the people around you and you're either, you either find pride in yourself because you're doing a lot better than the people around you or the opposite is true it kind of deflates you because you're like, you look around and you think, everybody's kind of farther along than me. Um, I was going to bring a really long piece of string to do this illustration, but I think you're going to get the point. Um, someone once, they grabbed a string from the front, went all the way to the back, and if the, the string was basically um, holiness, purity, and Jesus was on one end and humanity was on the other end, what you do when you compare yourself to each other, like 
even the most mature Christian, like if we could just all brainstorm right now, like who's the most mature Christian we know? Maybe we throw John Piper. Maybe we throw what other big names we want. Who? <laughs> Josiah Forker. All right. Interesting choice. No. Um, but you get the idea. If we were to pick whoever you put on that list for you, and we were to put them on this line going all the way back out there, there would be like between the most mature Christian in this room and any of us, probably less than an inch on this line. In fact, if you were sitting in the back or even where you are, you probably wouldn't even be able to distinguish the difference. But so often that's what we try to do when we measure side by side of people. And we're, there's an infinite gap between us and Christ. There's an infinite gap to where Christ is in his holiness. And we're not even looking there. We're looking side to side to the people that actually are like pretty much in the same spot. Um, so it's not looking side to side. Number six. <coughs> Sanctification is not primarily looking inwards. So there was a staff guy, actually I'm pretty sure none of you even know this name anymore, but Matt Reagan used to use this term, navel-gazing. So this idea that you're stuck kind of staring in at yourself. Um, now, as I say this, um, it is important to look in. It is important to understand your heart. Your feelings do matter. Your heart's a really big deal in the Bible. That's not what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about looking in, you get stuck on yourself. You just keep focusing and dwelling on yourself, and you can't get past that. And so you kind of start to spiral. And this can happen a number of ways. I think some of you in this room, um, you kind of get stuck on a thought, and that thought just starts spinning in your head, and then you just get stuck on that thought, and it leads to another thought, and you spiral thinking in on yourself, it can play itself out a number of different ways. But the idea is that you get focused on yourself as if you're the main point. And that's not primarily what sanctification is. So what is sanctification? Sanctification primarily is looking upward. Okay? Sanctif sanctification primarily is looking upward. And what I mean by that is when we think about our sanctification, we're looking primarily to Christ. Like if the goal of this process is to become more and more in the image of Christ, we're going to look to Him. Which is why I said at the beginning that justification is the fuel for our sanctification. As we look to Christ, it's going to help this process of sanctification. So, um... So what this does is, if we're looking upward, it actually changes all the things I just described as not. So, um, as you learn more about theological things, if you're looking up, you realize you're, you're looking to a person who wants a relationship with you. And that changes your pursuit of knowledge and theological things. Because in that pursuit of knowledge, you're pursuing a person who loves you and wants a relationship with you. Um, and as you look to your past and your sin and your guilt and your shame, if you go upward to Jesus, it changes how you look at your past. It reframes how you think about your past. Um, when you're looking to future circumstances and you look to Jesus, it changes how you view your current circumstance, right? This is what Paul is doing in the book of Philippians. Um, and we can go on and on and on. Um, but hopefully that gives you just a, kind of an introduction or taste to what sanctification is. But the rest of the time I want to look at how does sanctification happen? And I think even as we understand how sanctification happens, it'll help us be more comfortable understanding what sanctification is. Um, 
D.A. Carson has a quote, and actually Brian quoted it on Sunday, and it was awesome. It says this, super easy quote. Oh, that's not it. Okay. No one drifts towards holiness. No one drifts towards holiness. D.A. Carson says no one drifts towards holiness. Um, so when D.A. Carson talks about this idea, it, this is kind of goes back to what Harmon said in the negative way, that we're all on those like escalators in the airport moving a direction that culture is pushing us, and it's pushing us a lot of times away from God. So what it means when he says this quote is like, you have to be intentional to pursue your holiness. It doesn't just happen. Um, and so how does this whole idea of sanctification happen? If you want to go to your Bible, we're going to spend a lot of time actually in Philippians. It's the verse we're going to get to in a couple days. But this comes up here. We're going to primarily focus on 12 and 13. And as, um, maybe before you go there, you can go to that, that tree. It's all right. We can start with the tree. If you got Philippians, that's fine. Whatever you got. Tree. Okay. That's really blurry. Okay. You guys get the idea. It's a tree. Um, as we look upward, the idea of the tree is kind of as we grow as a Christian, is um, the roots are what's going to feed our behavior. So um, when you think about the Christian life, there's this connection between what we believe to be true and what happens in the roots that's going to feed and nourish the rest of the tree. And it's going to play itself out in the things you can see. In fact, none of you can see what's happening in a tree below ground unless you could do this and cut a sphere, see all the root system um, and what would happen. But um, this is kind of what the Christian life is, except the weird thing is the roots kind of go down and the tree would be upside down and come up. Anyways, it, you get the idea. Uh, our roots are actually from Christ and out of it flows the fruit of our life. Um, so go to the Philippians passage. So this is where we're going to spend a little bit of time understanding this. Um, okay, this is Philippians 2, 12 and 13. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and work for his good pleasure. Okay, um, I wanted to help you with a few different coloration things. Um, so it starts with a therefore. So anytime there's a therefore in the Bible, you have to go back, right? So it actually brings us back to verse 9, which starts with a therefore, um, which Paul does this a lot, which actually I think brings us all the way back to verse 3. So you guys actually have studied 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Um, so um, that's kind of the grounding on one side is this therefore. But then also in verse 13, it starts with a 4. Another way to think about four, fours or therefores is kind of because because of this reality. So in verse 13, because it is God who works in you both to will and work for his good pleasure. And then in the middle, you have the blue. As you've always obeyed, work out your own salvation. Okay, and then he gives some stuff in the middle. Just don't worry about that right now. Um, go to the next slide. What I want you guys to see that the command to work out your salvation and this idea of obedience is built on these two bookends, these pillars of the promise of God, which is Philippians 2, 3 through 11, which basically gives us this gospel promise, this example we have in Christ that's a promise for us. 
And then there's this command in between, work all your salvation with this obedience. And on the other side is a pillar, and that's God's power. So it's God that works in you. And I think this is a great example of what our sanctification actually looks like. We get this incredible promise, namely in our justification, and then work out our salvation and obedience, and we get this power to complete it, because God makes a promise to us that we can do it. Um, and those are the pillars guarding his commands, okay? And it's because of those pillars that I think actually makes this idea a little bit more easy to understand. Um, so, so as we think about this um, verse or these verses, how does this actually work? So we see that work out our salvation with fear and trembling, and then there's this idea of obeying, and then also it's God that works in you. So how do we reconcile these ideas? That's a really good question. Um, so I think an easy way to think about, not an easy way, there's not an easy way to think about sanctification. Um, but if you want to boil it down, another idea that I think would help us see this is our sanctification is a pursuit of what we love. Do I have a slide for this? Forget. Okay. Sanctification and love. So, if you love something, it's going to compel you to want to move towards it. Like, that idea just conceptually makes sense. Like, if you love something, you want it. Like, maybe you love ice cream, you're going to go to Twisters. You love ice cream, you're going to check out Painters. If you love ice cream, you're going to go to that new spot that I wasn't able to go to yesterday. Was it good? Yeah. Okay. Um, but if you love something, you're going to move towards it. Like, that's just the idea with something you love. You're going to want to move towards it. So, it's actually not a weird concept. If you love something, you're going to want to obey. Um, or you're going to want to follow potentially what something says. So, um, when the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, um, strength, love your neighbor as yourself, that actually, like, if you love God, those are going to be a natural flowing of who you are. Like, our love for God is actually going to propel those things that would make us want to love God and to love people. So, Another way to think about our sanctification is out of our love for God, like what are things that are going to help you love God? Those are things that should fall into our pursuit or our sanctification or our holiness. Um, so I think some of those components should include prayer. Some of those components should include the Word of God. Some of the components should include the church. And a big component of the Christian life should be repentance. Like if Paul says, what he began, he's going to complete. It says that we're not finished. Like we're still, we don't have this thing figured out, which means that we have sin that we need to repent of and we need to run to Jesus with that. But also, not only is this love going to work in us to love God, it's going to bend towards other people. Our vertical love for God is going to play itself out in love for other people and it's going to cause us to want to care for them or to serve them or acts of mercy or even as we studied earlier this week, like, looking to the interests of others. That's what the Christian life is going to look like as we see our love for God. It's going to bend horizontally for love towards others. Um, another kind of way to think about this is, this might sound kind of ridiculous, but obviously I'm married to Nikki. We just had our 10-year wedding anniversary in April. Um, and we try to go on a date night every week. Okay? We try to. It doesn't always happen, and kids have actually made that a little bit more challenging. But Let's just say that it's every single week and we don't miss it. That's kind of like 
a rule we have in place. Like, this is going to be a good thing for our marriage if we go on a date. And if we got to our date night, and Nikki's like, hey, what are we doing? And I said, babe, I really love you, but we're not going on a date today. Like, I'm really dialed into this show right now. What would that communicate to Nikki, right? She would be like, what do you, you love me, but you don't want to spend time with me? Like, you love me, but you'd rather watch your show? Like, are you serious? Okay, and it's a little bit of an exaggeration, but even if I just told Nikki, put it another way, if I was like, um, if I did the Peter, babe, babe, <laughs> um, babe, I, I put some flowers on the counter and some chocolate. I'm reading a book on marriage, and it said that'd be a good thing to do. There you go. She probably wouldn't feel like super loved by that, because how I communicate it is, I'm reading this book, and it told me to do it, therefore take it. Like, babe, take it. Like, that'll be good. And um, she wouldn't feel super loved by that. Um, it would feel kind of like a duty, but if I love her, it's going to come out in me wanting to spend time with her. It's going to come out in me wanting to plan our dates, to think for our time together, to think about our interactions, the questions, the thing we're going to talk about. That communicates my love for her. Um, and again, the same is true with our relationship with God. Like, as we love him, we're going to want to move close to him. So we're going to want to obey the things he says. So when Philippians 2.12 talks about always obeying and working out your salvation, those aren't burdensome things. Those are actually things we want to pursue um, out of love. Um, uh, so I don't know if I have a slide for this either, but obedience in the Christian life is out of a heart that loves God. Do I have something like that? No? Great. Um, so another idea here with this idea of obedience and love in the Christian life is if we understand who God is, we're going to trust that He's good. We're going to trust that He's for us. We're going to trust that He's with us. So even when it becomes tough, even when it's a commandment that we kind of buck up against, um, in that moment, we're going to say, I don't exactly understand this, but I'm going to trust you. I don't understand this, but I love you. And I don't like this right now, but I'm going to trust you more than I'm going to trust how I'm feeling in this moment. Um, or we're going to cry out and we're going to pray. We're going to say, help me. Like, help me. I believe. Help my unbelief. Like, I don't understand what's going on here, but I need you. Um, so what about obedience and lack of desire? So essentially, like, how does sanctification work when we sometimes don't feel like it? How does this process happen? Um, and there's a lot that could be said here. Um, Sometimes I think what it looks like in obedience and wrestling when you don't want to do something, um, sometimes I think it's good to wrestle with your heart and desire and to go to the Lord with it right away. Sometimes I think you need time to process and understand what's going on with your heart. And in that wrestle and praying, God will change your heart. He'll move your heart and work in there. Um, sometimes I think it means moving forward in faith and trusting God. So sometimes what that means to to be obedient and lack of desires, to still obey, trusting God in it. And actually, through your obedience, He'll change your heart. Um, so sometimes it's just moving forward in what He's called you to do, trusting that on the back end, it's actually going to move your heart towards repentance. And sometimes, I think this is where we need help. I think sometimes when we don't have the desire, sometimes when we're lacking desire to obey, this is when we need the community of God around us. 
that can press into your life and help you understand what's going on when you don't feel it. People that are going to love you, remind you of truth, as even Taylor shared a couple weeks ago, that are going to point you to the truth of the word that your heart needs in that moment that can help you. And finally, what about obedience and failure? What about obedience and failure, right? Like, I'm trying. I actually really want to do this thing, but when you do it, you fail at it. Um, what does that look like? So, uh, Asher, you know, he's, he's pretty close to walking, not quite there. But many of you saw him on the, the jail, the pillars from the second-story balcony. Looks like jail for him. Um, so, he's, he's not quite walking yet. There were a couple times this summer where, like, you'd hold his hands and you'd let go, and he could, like, stand there for a second and wobble, but he'd fall. He hasn't taken a step yet, but I'm pretty confident it's going to happen this summer. Um, but if you just think about this, I think this helps us with this idea of failure. Um, when Asher starts to walk, or even Eden when she started to walk, it was unbelievable as a father to be behind her and watch her take her first steps. And they weren't really steps. Like she, it was like controlled stumbling, right? Two steps fall, right? But in that moment, it wasn't like, come on, Eden, you can do better than that. You can run a mile. Like, what are you doing? That wasn't my thought at all. In fact, it was like, Nikki, get the camera out. Let's film this. Like, she's walking. This is incredible. And I think, um, again, this is like a small example, but I, I think that's actually more what it's like with our relationship with God. When it comes to our obedience, he's not saying, come on, you guys, you can do better than that. Like, I know you. You can do better than that. He's saying, that's incredible. You're taking steps of obedience and faith. And I'm right here to pick you back up and I'm with you the whole way. And I'm going to help you the next time you try. Every step forward, I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to help you. And, and that's what God is in our obedience and even in our failure. And that's why even in our failure, it's a beautiful thing because we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus. If, if actually you can go back to the Philippians passage. Um, so, if we just think about, um, oh, I, didn't th- I don't think I put it up here. Um, in the very next spot in Philippians, so basically, what does it mean to obey and to work out your salvation? Then Paul gives us this in 14 through 18. I'm not going to read it all. But he says, Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless, innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be poured out, that I did not run or labor in vain. So he says this idea of do all things without grumbling or questioning. That's how he starts. You're like, really? That's how you work out your salvation? And that's what obedience looks like, is do all these things without grumbling or questioning? Like, how do we actually do that? Um, and then you go back to that first therefore in 12, which brings us back to the example of Christ. And you realize Christ did this perfectly. Like, he went to the cross for us like a sheep led to slaughter and didn't say a word. If there was one person who could have grumbled and changed his circumstance, it would have been Christ. And he did it perfectly. So, in the moments where we feel the weakest, Christ did it perfectly. 
which empowers us to trust him, to look to him, because he did it perfectly. So even in Philippians, we see like grumbling and complaining, that's hard. Like if we're all honest, like we grumble a lot. We complain a lot. But what do we do with that? We look to Christ who did it perfectly. The example we have in chapter 2, and that changes how we move forward. So even in our failure, we move forward in Christ looking upward. And that is what sanctification is. It's this process of moving towards Christ, towards holiness, and it is that. It's a process. And I would also just say, there will be moments and times when it feels like I'm not moving forward. It feels like you're walking on a treadmill and you're not gaining an inch. And there will be other seasons of your life where it feels like, dude, I'm running a 430 mile right now. Like, I'm flying. Um, and, and there will be seasons of both. And this is even what Emma's been saying in personal worship with the sails idea. Like, there will be times where you put the sails out and you're gliding on the water. The wind's just right and it's taking you where you want to go. And there will be other points where it feels like you hit a headwind and you're not moving at all. And that's, that's part of the sanctification process. And again, that's why also we need each other in this room that are going to help us move forward in Christ as we pursue this sanctification process. So let me pray, and then we're going to do a couple of discussion questions. God, this process of sanctification um, is complex to think about how do we move forward and how do we Um, continue in the Christian life knowing that both we're working these things out, but you're helping us. That it is God that works in us. That he who began a good work in us will bring us to completion at the day of Christ. It's an amazing mystery to think about these ideas coming together. And God, I pray that you would help us to trust you as we think about our sanctification. Um, Would we look to you as we walk forward in pursuing our holiness? Would you give us this room and other people that can press in on our lives and um, help us love more of God? And would that bend out horizontally towards our love for one another? Um, So would you help us in this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have just two thoughts um, or questions. Um, What encouraged you as you think about sanctification? And what challenged you? They're a little bit broader, um, but I want to give you guys some time just to think Thank you for listening to this message from the 2021 Summer Training Project hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.